1340. We still have a minute according to this clock here. Are we help what? I think so. Yeah, I mean, the, they were married at the end. I mean, how much better can you do in a Fatima? Oh, here's my watch. I have an old watch that... Uh, I have an old watch that I can use. My Casio just tells me everything I have to know. I'm missing the thing. Okay, we want to... Uh, is the time come? Almost. almost uh, what? It's hard to know. So, side. we want to talk about the mitzvah of Hakel. The mitzvah of Hakel appears in the, in the, in the parasha. This week's parasha is Nitzobim Vayelach, two very short parashiyot that together are shorter than most parashiyot. But there are a lot, there are a lot of important things in Nitzobim Vayelach. The parasha that's called Parashat HaTshuva. Uh, but we're going to talk about Hakel. The Pasuk says this, if you look at the Psukim, Vayichtov Moshe Torah Hazot, it was, this is the day of the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. He's about to die. The last thing that he did in his lifetime was Vayichtov Moshe Tatarahazot Levi. So you know that there's a machloket in the Gvara and Gitin as to what Moshe Rabbeinu actually did at that time. Was it that they wrote the Torah throughout um, the 40 years or the 30 years, 8 years in the desert. And Moshe Rabbeinu just finished it because the last parashiot uh, were just received at that time. Or perhaps it was true, perhaps it was true that Moshe Rabbeinu, um, it was true that Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah for 38 years, but he wrote the Torah he wrote the Torah down at the end of the 38 years, in one go, all in one go. But there's no doubt that the Torah as we know it, as an object, as a physical object, came into existence on this day. No matter which shot you, you agree with, whether Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it bit by bit over 38 years, or Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it down all at one time, at the end of the 38 years. What we call the Torah, what we call the Torah, existed only on this last day. Before the last day of Moshe Rabbeinu's life, there was no Torah. And then what Moshe Rabbeinu did with this Torah was that he gave it to the Kohanim B'nai Levi, that when the Mishkan moved from place to place, so the Aron, the Aron was carried by the B'nai, by the B'nai Levi. That's what it says. So Rashi, Rashi says, Moshe, 
Vayitna Kshenigbera Kula We're talking about the whole Torah being written. The Torah was finished. Nitna Lebenei Shifto or Nitana Lebenei Shifto He gave it to the Leviyim. He, Moshe Rabbeinu, was a Levi. He gave it to the Leviyim. Part of the Leviyim became Kohanim. Right? The sons of Aaron, etc. became Kohanim. So gave it to Bnei Shifto. So we don't understand exactly what that is all about. Why did he give it to Bnei Shifto? But that's what the, the Torah tells us. Pasuk Yud. Ba'itzav Moshe Otel Neymor. Mikeit Sheva Shanim. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, there's a special mitzvah that is connected to this Sefer Torah that I just gave you. And that mitzvah is done every year at the end of the seven years. I'm sorry. Every, it's done annually, not annually, but uh, septannually or something like that. Every seven years you do this mitzvah. When do you do the mitzvah? According to according to the pasuk, Chagashmitah So the way the Chazal understood the pasuk was that the seventh year is shmitah. The end of the seventh year is on Rosh Hashanah. The year ends. The seventh year ends on Rosh Hashanah. The Sukkot that we're talking about is the Sukkot that follows the Shemitah year. Okay? Now, whether they... Uh, then the Pesach, the Pesach goes on. Look at the Rashi, I'm sorry. B'Shanah, Rishonah, Shel Shemitah. We're talking about the first year of the next seven. The first year of the next seven. Shehishnat Shana. Hashminit. Somehow there are typos that come of the, out of this Barilan program, which goes to show you that those computers are not so smart. They keep making mistakes. So, so it says, "Olama uh, Korei Ota Shnat Hashmita." So why is so it? If it's the eighth year. Why is it called Shnat Hashmita? Rashi asks, Shadayin Shviit no Hegidba. Bekatsir Shal Shviit Ayotzeva Motzei Shviit. So we all know that the halacha is that if you grow things, if things grow on the seventh year, and you harvest them on the the eighth year, they somehow are still considered to be part of the Shmita crop. Right, so you know that the Shemitah crop, you know, you have to give away, you have to give it to everybody. So that's also part of the, the Shemitah uh, crop. So now what are you supposed to do on that Sukkot after seven years of Shemitah? If you look at uh, Pasuk uh, uh, Yud Bet. Oh. Pasuk Yud Aleph. Bevokal Yisrael leraot et penei Hashem elokecha b'amakom asheh yivchar tekrat atorazot at kol Yisrael, neged kol Yisrael boznehem. That's what you do. When people come, when the people come, on the Shalosh Galim, what was obviously the most popular of the Shalosh Galim? That was uh, Sukkot, was the most popular. Everybody came on, so everybody who could 
came to the Beit HaMikdash on Sukkot because there was a tremendous joy and, and things were going on. It was very exciting. It's like Yerushalayim today. You know, Sukkot is the happy festival and Pesach is the neurotic festival. So it's hard to be very happy when at the same time you're very neurotic. I mean, it's like, uh, like how can you be happy? If you suspect your grandchildren of bringing chametz into the house, you know, it's like, uh, it doesn't go together. But Sukkot, a mechaya. Everybody's happy. Everybody's happy at Sukkot. So, Pasuk Yudbet. Pasuk Yudbet says, Hakel, collect them. Eta'am ha'nashim ha'nashim ha'taf. Men, women, and children. Well, taf is a difficult word. It's going to become more difficult as we learn the parasha. Taf. Taf are children. But how old are these children? Vigercha, uh, Shabisharecha, and also the non-Jews. Leman yishmu, leman yilmedu, v'yiru et Hashem elokecha. I mean, this, uh, the, this has a very important purpose. Yishmu, yilmedu, yiru, but this is uh, this is what's going on. And this will encourage them to keep cold devaturazot. So what's happening? What is going to happen at this mitzvah of Hakel? We're going to read the Torah. And what is reading the Torah going to do? It's going to get everybody involved in keeping the Torah. That's what the Pasuk says. How this works exactly, I mean, if you all got together on Sukkot and we came and there was, uh, the king was there to read the, the Torah, and he read the Torah, so, you know, we're used to reading the Torah. It doesn't get anybody too excited. They read the Torah. I mean, what, what, what does the Torah think is going to happen at the reading of the Torah that's going to make everybody, that's going to make everybody fool? Pasuk Yud Gimel. This will be a great educational experience for Nehem. Their sons, who don't, uh, are not so firm, so you have all these phrases that you have again and again in Varim to fear God and to keep the Torah and keep the mitzvot, especially in the land of Israel which you're going to <coughs> come to. Rashi says in Pasuk uh, Yud Aleph, Tikra et HaTorah Hazot. HaMelech, Varim, the king would read the book of Dvarim at this event. I mean, not all of it, but a good part of it. Shadayin, I'm sorry, Kareibit, Kedeit of Maseret Sota. Al Bima, Shel Eitz, Shayu Osim Ba'azara. So the Dvarim says that in the Ezrat Nashim, in the Beit HaMikdash, they put a, a high platform, the king would go up on the platform and then he would either stand or he would sit and he would read the Torah and this would electrify the audience. Everybody who was there 
would sort of like take on more chumras, everybody would start drinking Chol of Yisrael, and everybody would go out kosher, just like we can't do that, because we do it anyway. Like we, they stole away all those chumras, that's such a b'chaya, chutzlard, somebody says, I bought Chol of Yisrael. Here you can't say that. <laughs> Because, because here you'd have to really do something miraculous <laughs> to buy non-Hall of Israel, right? It's not like you. What? They bought the non-Hall of Israel. All right, so you could find an Arab with a cow and insist that he gives you the milk, that he milks while you're not watching. Uh, it would be a little difficult. So, so something's happening. Something's happening, but we don't know what it is that is happening. Uh, if, if, this is the general question. If I wanted to find a more particular question, I would say that it's not so easy to understand what the tough were doing there. Why did they bring the tough? You bring children to Hakel? Like, did you ever try to bring little children to Shul on Shabbat morning? during Kriyata Torah, you may have noticed that they're not so interested. You have a lot of candy. Well, well, if you have a lot of candy, you could could always drug children into submission. That's true. But it's hard to convince them that they should be interested. So what are they doing there, this half? So let's look at, uh, let's look at the Mephoshim as they are listed here. The man Yishmuel, the man Yomidu. The Ramban comments on Pasuk Yudbet. You see Pasuk Yudbet? Hakel et ha'amar Hashiva Hashiva Taf. So the Ramban says, Hashiva Hashiv, kigam hein shomot v'lomdot v'yirat Hashem. So first, first question the Ramban answers is, what are the women doing there? I mean, this is a Torah learning experience. So what do you need women for? Ramban. So Ramban says, no. Since the purpose of the Talmud Torah is fear of God. In other words, the purpose of Talmud Torah is to create a theology in the person. But not to make him into a Dayan. Not to make him into a Rav. That's not why you're having the Talmud Torah. So maybe if you had a course in Dayanut, you would not include women. But if you have a course in Yirat Shamayim, so then why not include the women? The women are at least as good in Yirat Shamayim as the men. So when they come to Hakel, they can appreciate it. That's what the Ramban says. He says, the ones, the children, who don't know what's going on, they've never learned any Torah. So he says, Yishmuel v'lamdu, they should listen, and they will learn. Hey, Hataf, ki Yishmuel v'yishalu. How are they going to learn? They're going to hear what's going on, and their fathers will be standing next to them, and so they'll be saying, what's going on, Dad? And, you know, we hope that the fathers will be able to answer that question. Ha'avot yagilum so even though we know that Chinuch is a mitzvah right? 
In other words, the Mishnah says that fathers should teach their children how to do mitzvot. Fathers also means mothers. You teach their children how to do how to do mitzvot. But that is a mitzvah drabanan. It's only midrabanan that you have a mitzvah of chinuch because midoraita, bidoraita, no one is obligated to do a mitzvah until the, he or she becomes either 12 years old or 13 years old. Then you're obligated. But before that, there is no biblical obligation. The obligation, the obligation is rabbinic, midrabona. There's a drabonan obligation. So the Mishnah says you have to buy a child, a lulav and a netro. Right? You have to buy a child a lulav and a netro. But you can't buy the child a plastic lulav and netro. Because chinuch means that the child does the mitzvah. Not that the child watches a movie about doing the mitzvah. <laughs> that's a different kind of chinuch. But that's not the chinuch that the chachamim were talking about. The chinuch that the chachamim were talking about was that the children should do the mitzvah. Not that the children should know about the mitzvah or that they should have heard about it or seen a movie about it. But that they should do the mitzvah. That's called that's called chinuch. So the Ramban here says that women should go to Hakel because it's not Talmud Torah. What is it? Yirat Shomayim. It's Yirat Shomayim, but it doesn't tell you how it's Yirat Shomayim. But it just what he says. And with the children, with the children, Yishma'u v'yishamu, Ravot yergilum v'yechanchu otam. So some people come to an event, and, and they have already integrated the basic idea, and therefore the event, the event is, uh, um, it, it just enhances them. But the children, they don't have it inside of them yet. So they ask questions, and then the fathers answer those, those questions. He says, <laughs> Because this word taf does not apply does not apply to babies. Right, Yom and Ashadayim, the babies who are uh, still suckling their mother's milk. Not talking about them. So who are we talking about? They are children who can be taught. You can explain things to them. So when the children say, what's going on here? You can explain it to them. But uh, uh, younger children, Younger children, children that are, are, are still drinking their mother's milk, I mean, I can ask a question, I can give an answer. You know, that question about the ger, that all oh, the ger chassidim, they say that the ger, the, the first ger rebbe, the first ger rebbe is the chidush yarim, of Yitzchok Meir, right, who was the god of Hador in, uh, who was the god of Hador in Poland in his, in his time. So the story, the story is told that uh, he didn't want to, he didn't want to drink his mother's milk. So his mother was very frustrated about it. So she said to the baby, you know, mothers always talk to the baby. Babies, why, why don't you want to drink the milk? So he said, well, the baby said, I have to make a bracha. So the mother, of course, was not astounded about this at all. And she said, so why don't you make a bracha? So he said, well, why don't you cover up? That's the story about the Gehrer. 
So, so yeah, you have to always check the child. You know, some children are different than other children. You know. So, so he says, "Vizeta amulamdu liyira baatid kivamala amar amulamdu liyiru." So the, the Ramban says that there's a difference of opinion. I, the Ramban, say that taf means children that can be taught. Children of the age can be taught. But I know that there's a Chazal. And the Chazal said, why did they come? The men, the women, the children. So Chazal said, you see the end of the Ramban? Anashim Lulmod. The men came to learn, the women came to listen, and the taf, why did they come? Litein tzchalem So litein tzchalem seems to mean that they weren't really participating in the event. It was just that, you know, in some general way, it was good for the children to come. So the, the parents who bought the boy had to select the children up the hill into Yerushalayim. The parents get schar. The parents get tzchah. So now we, the Ramban has introduced us to the question of taf. Yeah? It's nice to know if the parents will send their kids to yeshiva in Israel. Okay. I don't want to say the wrong thing, so... Um, according to the Ramban, according to the Ramban, the way to figure out what the word tafe means is to assume that there's a purposefulness to everybody's coming, everybody who came. So the men and the women, according to the Ramban, came to enhance fear of God. And the children, according to the Ramban, were being introduced educationally into this mitzvah called fear of God. But the Ramban recognizes the fact Right, the Rabban recognized that, that Chazal seemed to have disagreed. The Chazal said, the men come to learn, the women come to listen, and the children come because it's a schut for whoever brought them to bring the little children to this event. What the schut is, we don't know. Unless the Chazal meant that, after all, there were no babysitters. Everybody was going to Yerushalayim. All the young girls in the country were on their way to Yerushalayim. There's no one left to babysit. So the normal thing would be for the parents to say, look, I've got all these babies at home, I'm not going to go. So they said, no, I'm going to take the baby. In order to be able to do this mitzvah, I have to take the baby. So that's a kind of schut. That's a merit that they were able to make that decision. But according to the Ramban, clearly there are two positions about the taf. The taf are either children who can be educated, or they are children before the age when they can be educated. So now let's look at the Kliyakar. The Kliyakar was sort of uh, a Talmud of the Tosus Yontif. Anyway, uh, Kliyakar is a very popular commentary that was printed uh, at the time, at some time or other, in what we call the Mikraot Gidolot. In modern times, there are new kinds of mikraot yidolot that are printed, and the kliyakar was not printed with all of that. But the kliyakar, nevertheless, is an interesting and imaginative commentary. And this is what he said. 
Akelot Ahmed and Hashim and Hashim Ataf Abu Razal. He says, he says, I'm quoting a Chazal. He quotes the same Chazal that the Ramban quoted. And Hashim Dolan Mod, Hashim Nishmar, the Taf Lama Ba'em retains Chalim in the air. Mashma Mise, the Kriyakar says, my inference is, Mashma Zia, Shemedaber, but Taf, Shalohi Gil Chinuch. You're talking about little children who are not educatable. They don't understand. They don't understand what you're saying. Uh, this is why would Chazal say that they brought the children in order to give rewards to their parents? Because if they were educatable, that would be the reason. They would have brought them in order to educate them. So this is what everybody here thought to say, but you were embarrassed to say it. But the Kriyatah said it. He says, I don't understand. What do you mean? There's a mitzvah in the Torah, and if the mitzvah is to go to Yerushalayim and to listen to the reading of the Torah. Now, you want to do it like Lachumra? You want to do it better? Like a better? You want to do the mitzvah better? So, so uh, Chazal say, well, take little children who are very much like trees and stones. I mean, they don't, they don't relate to the event. They have nothing to do with what's going on. If you slap them up to Yerushalayim, you get merit. So the Kliyakar does not understand. Why should you get more merit for slapping up stones and, and trees to Yerushalayim? Why should this be mentioned in the puzzle? If, as I said, they didn't have babysitters, they brought their children, okay. So, you know, there are also unwelcome guests. Sometimes you invite the parents and they come with the children. But that doesn't mean that the children are going to get anything out of this. So, that's what the Kliyakar says. He doesn't say, the Kliyakar, again, doesn't understand. The Kliyakar doesn't understand Chazal. He doesn't understand what they were uh, talking about. Now I'm on the fourth line of the Kriyakar in the air. Shekol ikar tzorech hakel zeh hayaba avu hatshuva. Says the the reason that this mitzvah was promulgated and foisted upon us was in order that we should repent tshuva. Lefisha avu chazal sheyom mishon shalchag nika rishon lechesbon onot. So for some reason, the Kliyakar thinks that after Rosh Hashanah and after Yom Kippur, of course, you only do once in seven years, but maybe he means you do it officially once in seven years, but just do it every year. After Rosh Hashanah and after Yom Kippur, he says, that's the time of tshuva. Because tshuva is not only about the past. Tshuva is apparently about how successful I'm going to be in the future. How well I'm going to do the mitzvot that I, that I have to do. I'm four lines in the bottom, the fifth or sixth word. Because 
יהיו אגודה אחת, they get together and then they are kind of tied together, banded together, ויתושכם אחד לשוב אל השם כדי שיהיו השבים רבים. This idea of being together with all of Am Yisrael is what creates tshuva. לפי שדווקא בעשרה ימים שבין ראש השנה ויום הכיפורים, הקדוש ברוך הוא מקבל תשובת היחיד. אבל בכל ימות השנה אין הקדוש ברוך הוא מקבל אל התשובות הרבים, and that's what it says in Rosh Hashanah. And therefore, again, the clear car says this, what do you need the taf for? If the taf can't benefit from the experience, why bring them? Right? That's what I always say about shul. If the children don't want to go to shul, don't take them. This is only a problem with chutzlars. The chutzlars, there's nothing to do with the children. So you have to take them from jail at home to jail in shul. And so that's, you know, that's how the children get their first wonderful experience of being in shul. They hate it. But then they look around and they notice that their parents also hate it. Because all they do is talk all the time during shul. So the children, by the time they are 10 years old, have it very clearly worked out. They know about shul. You go to shul, you sit next to your father, and you don't say a word. Ten minutes later you say, could I leave now? And you leave. That's how, that's how it works. Eretz Yisrael, you have to do that. Because the children can play in the streets. And I think that a child, should, Shabbos morning, should play in the streets until... He's ready to go to shul. His father could ask him, or his mother can ask him every week, go to shul today? He says no. He said, great. That's, that's terrific. And, uh, and uh, there's no doubt that at the end, no doubt, I don't mean that. I'm just saying that for histrionic purposes. But he probably will end up going to shul without that miserable uh, background of disliking it. That's my, uh, that's my opinion. So when you bring children to an event, they have to be able to absorb that event. They have to be able to understand what's going on. So the Rabban says, the Rabban says, why bring the children? They don't know, I mean, so Kriyakar says, why bring the children? They don't know what's going on. So his answer is, they, they, they don't know what's going on. But at a very young age, they can feel the experience of the crowd, of everybody being there. They know that's, that this is something really important because they haven't seen such a crowd in their entire lives. That experience, according to the Kliyakar, is a possibility. So the Kliyakar, so how does it go? Taf. What's the Taf? The Rabban has two opinions. The Ramban first says, I, the Ramban, think that they must be teachable. They must be teachable children. Otherwise, what's the point? But he recognized the fact that Chazal said that there's a schut in bringing the children, which makes it sound, according to the Kliyakar, that Chazal said you can bring children that are less than the age of Chinuch. And so the Kliyakar said that even children who are less than the age of Chinuch, who, who are not teachable yet, can experience 
this, you know, they can experience fear, and they can experience love, and they can experience the awesome collection of people that happened to be in Yerushalayim at that time, and that's why, that's why you bring them. So as I, I just wanted to tell you that the, the next source, the next source is from Nefesh Arav. Nefesh Arav is uh, a book that was written by Rav Tzvi Shechter, who is the head of the Kolel in Yeshiva University, a uh, serious Talmud Chacham, a very serious Talmud Chacham, who, uh, who uh, has one of those, you know, the memories where he, if, if he wanted to, he wouldn't be able to forget anything. So he has all of these, he remembers everything that the Rav said. He was in the Rav Shia for many years, and he remembers everything that Rabbi Salavechik said. And he quotes the following. If you look at the bottom of this paragraph, five lines from the bottom, five lines from the bottom, you see it says Rabbeinu, that's Rabbi Salavechik, right, Rabbeinu. Uh, you know that the um, the Braslav Hasidim called Rav Nachman Rabbeinu. So sometimes you can get confused about who you're talking about. Right? It's not always so easy, but you know if it's Rabbi Shachter that he's talking about Rabbi Salvation. The likelihood that he would be talking about Rav Nachman is what they call in Hebrew they say Sho'efa Efes. It's a it's a function that is going speedily on its way to zero. You know. You don't bring the children, hook for the baby shit. What? If you don't bring the children. I I, I imagine the, the Arab neighbors. Anyway, Rabbeinu Shamami Avid Vishena Gon Rav Chaim, right? Rabbi Salavechik, heard from his father, who was Rav Moshe Salavechik, who was the oldest son of Rav Chaim, the one who went to America, right? Then became what? Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe was his father. He was the oldest son of Rav Chaim, and he went to America, and he became the Rosh Yeshiva in. Uh, and while you, he actually followed the Mechit the Ilui. The Mechit the Ilui was, uh, they say, the uh, most outstanding student that Rav Chaim ever had. And he, uh, he, um, the Mechit the Mechit the Ilui, who got a small street in Yerushalayim. You know that street that America is on, uh, what is it called? Door or something? <laughs> I don't know, but what's the continuation of it? What was it called? Anyway, at the end of that street that Megas Arabin is like a little street, like a hundred yards goes to the right. That's called Rukhova Ilui. And it's very hard to see the little print which Ilui they're talking about. <laughs> but they're talking about the Mechita Ilui. The Mechit the Ilui was called the Mechit the Ilui because he came from Mechit. But his name was Palachek, Shlomo Palachek. And he was, uh, the, he was a great, uh, great uh, scholar. And he was uh, the, um, as I said before, uh, reputed to be Rav Chaim's greatest student. Uh, he had uh, one issue. And his issue was that he was a Zionist. He was a, you know, 
an uncompromising Zionist. And you may have heard that Rav Chaim Brisker was an uncompromising anti-Zionist. So they went to Rav Chaim and they asked him, what's going on here? How come this guy is here? You know, he's a Zionist. So he said, Rav Chaim said, the Mechita makes Zionism. It was the Mechita, he, he, had, he had such high regard for him that in the political arena, everybody knows that you could have different opinions. The thing is, I may not respect your opinion because I don't respect you. But when it came to the nature, the, the, uh, the Rav Chaim said, he's something special. I mean, we can't just say that being a Zionist is uh, totally unacceptable. So he, the Mechit Ili, went to YU. Shiva University became the Rosh Hashiva. He died at a relatively young age from an abscess in his mouth. And abscess, like today, it's not even considered, but he didn't do anything about it, you know, those, the type. And he got infected. And I guess there was no penicillin or no salt. I don't, I don't know what there wasn't, but he died as a result. And Rav Moshe Soloveitchik, who was the oldest son of Rav Chaim and a great admirer of the Mechit the Ilui, came to New York to take his place. That's how the Soloveitchiks got to YU. So here in the story, the Rav is saying something in the name of, that they heard from his father, Rav Moshe Soloveitchik, who heard it from his father, Rav Chaim And what was the thing that he heard? The taf, the hakel, you see those words, the last words on the five lines in the bottom? The last three words, the taf, the hakel, the taf, the hakel, solomah kol ikar, that they were, um, that they were people who, who did have some kind of knowledge. I'm sorry. Right, that's what that's what the Rav Chaim said. It must be that the children that we're talking about are the ones who are educatable, not the children who are not educatable. Uh, you see that there's a mistake. Otherwise. Because if you'll say that everybody who came was performing the mitzvah in some way, so you understand, according to the, the brisker categories, they, uh, the top didn't do anything. They didn't know what was going on, so, so how could they perform the mitzvah? They have nothing to do with what is going on. And remember, so the, the uh, Rav Moshe said, the name of the Chaim, he says, well, what about the Ramban, who said that according to Chazal, the children were really children, were really babies. That's what, that's what he said. He said, uh, uh, What does that mean? Yeah, so what does that mean? 
Because after all, we know that the mitzvot are always done by adults. What is added on to the adults are children who are educatable, who can be part of chinuch. But there's no mitzvah that's done by, by babies. Right? There's no mitzvah done by babies. Mila is done by the father. Right? Or the, the baked in. But it's not done by the baby. Uh, it's only here that we see that the babies are included. You must say, this is what Rav Chaim said, they, that they were of an age that was educatable. Because if not, they're, they're mitaseg. Mitaseg means you don't know exactly what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing, so you're not participating really. You just happen to be there. But you don't know what it is that you're supposed to be doing. So we have, like we could say, looking over the generations, that the Ramban seems to say that the path had to be adults. And this is bolstered ultimately by Rav Chaim, who said, yes, they have to be educatable. And if they're not educatable, then it doesn't count. What about the Chazal that says that they brought the babies in order to have schuyot, in order to have merit? So Chaim said, okay, you know, you don't have to take that so seriously, because we know that generally, who does mitzvot? People are obligated to do mitzvot. The people are obligated. People understand. If you don't understand and you don't know what the mitzvah is, then you don't do it. Then you don't, you don't do it. So the Ramban is a little bit more liberal about the words of Chazal, and he says, "Okay, I know Chazal said it. Maybe it's true, but Rav Chaim wouldn't hear from it. He says, as Rav Chaim is concerned, it was a mistake. It was very odd that they uh, that they included that." So now, if you look at the second page, second page is the Ramban. The Rambam is Hilchot Chagiga Perikimu. Hilchot Chagiga. Chagiga is the korban that they brought on Yontif when they came to Yerushalayim to the Beit Hamikdash. And in korban Chagiga, in this discussion of the korban Chagiga, the third parak, one and two are about the korban. The third parak is about the mitzvah of Hakher. And here the Rambam adds an interesting feature that was not noted by the Kliyakar, but he should have been. The Kliyakar should have noted it. Listen to this. Halacha Aleph. Mitzvah ta'asei la'kil kol Yisrael, anashim v'nashim v'tav t'kol motzei shmitah, ba'alotam la'regel v'rikot bo'znehem in atarat ha'ashiyot, she'em mizarzot otam v'mitzvot. So these are all things that we know, we've learned this. Motzei shmitah, on Sukkot, you read from the Torah things that that get you excited about keeping the Torah and doing the mitzvot. And make them feel confident about the true religion. So the Rabbim quotes the Fasuk that we saw. 
the second halacha. So there's a further emphasis. What? Ready? Well, uh, it's in the Gemara. Yeah, it's a real big. It's in the Gemara and Soto on that man's side. So the Rambam, the Rambam says, women and children, they are participates. So now Halacha Gimel, the Rambam says, Eimatai Yukorin. That part of the Beit HaMikdash, there was a big courtyard, that's where they read. So they would let the, the king sit down, but if he stood up, that would be better. What does he read exactly? Until the end of So that content, I mean, everybody could ask the question, how exactly, let's say there were thousands of people that were packed into this Azara, the Ezrat Nashim it's called, I mean, how could they hear what the king was saying? I mean, it's impossible. Uh, you go to shul Shabbos afternoon, or you go to shul with a lot of people in the shul, or even Shabbos morning, it's always very difficult to hear Kriyata Torah. But how did they hear the king? How did they hear the king at that time? And this is a question that the Rambam does not address. First they blew the shofar. Everybody came together. They built a big wooden, uh, whatever you call that. A wooden, what? Yeah, like a platform. They built this big platform in the middle of the Azara. Why in the middle? So more people could hear it. It was at the end. It's like that's what we do, right? When we read the Torah, usually the Torah is written, is read in the middle of the shul, which would enable more people to hear it. Except in, in you know, in some conservative shuls or reform shuls of Chutzlas, they read in the front, but they have the advantage of generally using a microphone, so it doesn't matter so much. But if we don't use a microphone, then, um, then there's a problem. Uh, all the people come along, the Chazara Knesset, but they'll say the Torah, the Gabbai, Takes a safer to Rabbin of Dolly Rosha Knesset, the Dolly Scan, the Scan, the Queen Gadol, the Queen Gadol, Amela. So they pass the safer to around from one person to another. Kedela had robe, robe, bene, Adamba, Melech, Metablo, Shuomei, Vimatsai, Shevu, Potevu, Emma, Varech, Kedel, Shuberech, Kokore, Betorah, Beta Knesset. So there's a whole 
it all worked out, right? The tekes, so to speak. Uh, the coin, coin, uh, the king is reading, and he reads all of these psukim. He makes a bracha before, he makes a bracha afterwards. Halacha hey, halacha hey. We're not, uh, we're not getting all the words, but we're getting enough of that. Hakriyava brachot belashon hakodesh. Naturally, all of this done is done in the rich in the emetic radatarazot bilshona. Even though there are people who don't understand Hebrew, who might be there who don't understand Hebrew, the halacha is that you read the Torah only in Hebrew. So now, the Rambam has summarized for us what it says in the Torah and what it says in the Gemara and Sota about Membrav and Memzayim. You know, the Rambam had this knack. He was able to summarize things... Uh, in a wondrous way. He didn't leave anything out. This is what happened. But now look at the Rambam. Alachavav. The Geirim. She'inam makirim. Geirim. Non-Jews. She'inam makirim. They don't know the Torah. They don't know the Hebrew. Chayavim l'achim libam l'akshiv oznam now you see, the Rambam understood something that did not occur to us. The Rambam understood something of great importance. And that event of great importance is that Hakel is a replay of the Yom Matan Torah. And when I say it's a replay of the Yom Matan Torah, I'm talking about Vav Sivan. The sixth day of Sivan, B'nai Yisrael came to Har Sinai, and there was an event. And the event contained two parts to it. One were things that encouraged Yira, there was shofar blowing and there was thunder and there was lightning and the presence of God accompanied all of these tremendous sounds. And the other thing was that there was content. But when we think to ourselves of what the content was, what, what the content was, we know that Chazal said that B'nai Yisrael may not have heard almost any of the Aserita Dibrat. That either they heard, maybe they heard the first, maybe not. Har Sinai, Mahmad Har Sinai, was not the time that content was transmitted to B'nai Yisrael. It was the time that B'nai Yisrael were given to understand that the content is dependent on the attitude. That to learn Torah, you don't have to be clever. I mean, it's always good to be clever. But to learn Torah, you have to have Yirat Shamayim. What is Yirat Shamayim in this case? And what does it mean? The idea that you're standing before God. And that's what happened at Har Sinai at Matan Torah. And so the Rambam says this, 
What about Geirim? Geirim have obligations. They have to keep mitzvot of the Torah. They're part of the system, right? These these uh, these uh, uh, non-Jews who live in Eretz Israel. So what about them? Don't they have to understand? Shouldn't you have to read it in the 70 languages, in the 70 languages that, that the Torah was given? So the Rabbah says, no. This is Ma'amad Har Sinai. And Ma'amad Har Sinai doesn't have content. Where was the content of the Torah? When was the content of the Torah taught to B'nai Israel? During the 38 years of the desert that Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah. And at the end of his teaching the Torah, he wrote it down. It was all written down. But how did the Torah start? How did Matan Torah start according to, according to the Rambam? It started from Har Sinai. What happened at Har Sinai? Like what was... So Har Sinai was the introduction to the Torah. And what was the introduction to the Torah? Yer Shammai. So it's true. And we've seen today. People can study the words of the Torah. And perhaps not be entirely conscious of their Yirat Shammai. That's true. But the Torah says that Mamad HaSinai comes before the study of the Torah. First Mamad HaSinai and then the study of the Torah. That's what it says. That's what it says in the Torah. That's how the Torah was, was given to us. The Rambam says, that the Torah commanded that once in seven years we have a Mamad Har Sinai. And a Mamad Har Sinai is Yirat Shamai. That, that's what it's about. And how do we get that feeling from the tremendous crowd, from the Malchut of the king, the kingship, the words of the Torah, which the words of the Torah, the book of Tvarim, which largely encourage us to this direction of Yirat Shamayim. And since it's not a content thing, it's not that we're learning these specific words of the Torah. What we're doing is trying to imitate the feeling that we had at Har Sinai when the Torah was given. So then it is true that as the, as the Kliyakar said, the children can participate. They participated in Har Sinai, didn't they? They were part of it. So I'm not bringing the children for their sake. I'm building the children for my sake. And that's what Chazal meant when they said, if you bring, bring the children, because it'll be a merit for those who bring them. Why will it be a merit for those who bring them? Because the people who bring the children will remember Har Sinai better. They will remember the Yad Shemaim of Har Sinai better because the children were there at that time. So it's true. I'm not bringing the children for the children. I'm bringing the children for the adults. And the adults, their experience at Har Sinai at Hakel is enhanced by the fact that the children are there at Hakel just as they were there at Har Sinai when the Torah when there was Matan Torah, which, as we've tried to explain, is really the Matan of Yirat Shamayim. It is that what God gave us, 
was the opportunity to fear God. Because the presence of God, we were aware of the presence of God. And the presence of God is somehow morphed into the presence of the Sefer Torah. Since we know that the Sefer Torah was inspired by God and written down by Moshe Rabbeinu, the reading of the Sefer Sefer Torah imitates, according to the Rambam, the presence of God at Har Sinai and this uh, special kind of Yirat Shamayim that we try to engender about our relationship, about our relationship to the Torah. Yeah. I guess we can't take all that excitement. I don't know. I mean, it's a question. It's a question, but I can connect it to Shemitah. You know, the Shemitah year was a year of Talmud Torah. They didn't work, so it makes sense that, you know, having having invested so much energy in being part of that, that maybe that was the most appropriate time, you know, to do it. And that uh, uh, you can't just do it all the time. People are not able to withstand that kind of, uh, of pressure. That's what, uh, that's what I think, so, so that the critical word in the parish of Hakel is tough. Who are the tough? And what could they possibly be doing for the benefit of those who brought them? According to Rav Chaim, it's obvious. According to Rav Chaim, it's obvious that the tough must have been old enough to be teachable because there was no other reason to bring them. But if you add the Rambam, that this was a Mahmar Harsinai, with the Kliyakar, that somehow the togetherness and the unity of Am Yisrael at this moment enhances the mitzvah itself, then one could say the pshat, which the Kliyakar did not say, but which I added on, which is that uh, the children are brought for the parents. The merit of the children devolves upon those who brought the children, because at Har Sinai, the children were there. And the children also participated in this event of Yirat Shamayim. And so it makes it more reasonable for all of us in our participation. Have a good Shabbos. Can we have a Do we have a minute? What? Uh, I didn't hear. I think so, I just uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur why not why not learn Torah is there a minion?